Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. This is a 680 The Fan podcast. To hear more live and local sports content like this, tune into 680 AM or 93.7 FM or download the Fan app. A lifetime of hard work. Children laughing in the kitchen. Family photos on a restaurant wall. A legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation. Like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. It is indeed Chuck and Chernoff, Heath Klein, Dylan Short. You're not the regular pool boy. For Matt, of course, Chuck, alongside as well. Plenty of things that we have been chewing on all through the afternoon. We've had even breaking news going on in the afternoon, whether it be looking like any effort by the NCAA to enforce NIL rules, even before kids are on campus, is basically out the door now, or whether it be the news of the higher-than-expected NFL salary cap for the upcoming year. So a lot going on. One piece of news we have not gotten officially yet, uh, Del McGee is expected to be named the Georgia State head coach. All reports indicating that's where it's going, but have not seen formal announcement of that yet. Uh, that does mean that Georgia loses somebody who is a top recruiter as their running backs coach and now with the two open spots for Kirby Smart on that staff. So we'll see what they do with that opportunity uh, Going to be interesting, to be sure. Also, the folks with the signing period, the early signing period, going to move it up to December 4th, which is something that I am not a huge fan of, but that's what the plan appears to be. So for a, a random day in February, we got a whole lot going on with regards to college football. But I do want to touch on one thing that's going on tonight. Tonight, the Hawks are back on the court. And I just wanted to drive home how disappointing this Hawks season has been. Are there if, words to really describe how disappointing the season's been? There's, there's actual the tangible details to verify how disappointing the Hawks have been this year. The point spread is what it is. If you're a bad team, the point spread reflects that you are a bad team. So 
when the point spread is put there for you, it's handicapping. It's allowing for the idea, hey, you might not be good enough to beat the Celtics, but you could at least be good enough to cover the spread. So if you're consistently failing to even do that, you are really disappointed. There is one team and only one in the NBA who has not managed to cover the point spread even 20 times this year. And as you might be guessing, that team is your Atlanta Hawks. Stupid Hawks. The Hawks for the season right now are 17 and 38 against the spread. That is unbelievably bad. If all you do, if you're up with Chuck at Harris Cherokee, is just go to the window and auto bet against the Hawks, Chuck, you're winning more than 66% of the time. Yeah, the commentary isn't you lost in the garden. Well, no kidding, you lost. The Celtics are better. Um, you were supposed to lose, and you weren't even as bad. Like, you you weren't you were crappier than we thought you were going to be. We thought you'd lose by eight and a half. You lost by 16. Like, you, you're not even good enough to be bad. Like, you're losing by more than you're supposed to more than any other team in a league that's famous for it. Yeah, the only other team that's anywhere close to them, uh, you've got the Bucks at 21 and 35, the the Hornets are 20, 32 and 2. That's it. Nobody else is even within 5 games of their record for how bad they are against the spread. And if you're a Hawks fan, you like I want them to win, not just cover the spread, but my thing is if you're missing expectations that badly that consistently, with what was supposed to theoretically be a better coaching staff this year that was going to be able to kind of put the Quinn Snyder stamp on things. You haven't had massive health issues that have affected you that you'd say, well, what do you expect? You lost three starters. It's none of that. And again, even if you do have an injury or a sickness or whatever, they adjust for, oh, hey, Trey's out tonight or whatever. This is ridiculous. They have been down to their third center at for an extended time, they were, and they're still without one. Um, they don't play defense, and that's the one thing that goes through it. And here's the weird thing. The team is so hard defensively. Trey is, by a lot of metrics and people who understand all the metrics, Trey is having his – it's relative. Trey's having his best defensive season. That's why the team stinks so bad. And there are some nights where – and, again, I've watched probably 10 games now out of the season. I don't start till Christmas. Um it's the effort. It's the try. It's the Luca night where I'm like, somebody decides you're not scoring 50 on us. You're not scoring 60. Look, you're not scoring 70 on us outside of a basketball play. Isn't that how you get a flagrant two? It wasn't a basketball play. Exactly. Guess what? When you hit shot and like now I've got 64 points and you're dancing across mid, I'm going to make something that's not a basketball play at that point. Nobody did. So um, they've had a couple of injuries, but nothing significant. Like you're missing Trey for, you know, seven weeks. It's nothing like that. Um, it goes back, unfortunately, to the number one cliche of this team since Trey's been here is horrible defense. The kick in the pants is it's not really Trey's fault this time. No, but whatever the story is, they, they've got to get at least a better product out there to offer than this. We'll see what they do. Coming out of the all-star break, they do tonight. Get a crack at the Raptors. I mean, look, I'll I'll be at the Jazz game next week paying tickets and, and going to watch. I still like going to games. That's right. They lost to Charlotte last. I was trying to remember their last game. They lost to a crappy Charlotte team. Didn't just lose. Got worked over. I mean, they, they didn't oh, no, even show like 20, up. It's like 23 or 24. Well, yeah, you're right. Nah, so anyway, just wanted to make Ugh. note of that. If you're a Hawks fan, you have a right to be genuinely mad because they are 
they are underachieving and they're underachieving. And there's nothing on the horizon to make you feel better because you have an owner that is more concerned with making sure that he stays out of the luxury and return on players be damned than actually winning games. I have said this before. Um, If you own like a Crystal or a Checkers or a Hardee's, you're not interested in the best burger. You're interested in the profit. Sometimes it's okay just to have a wildly successful business. Now, an owner in sports never is really supposed to come out and say that, so he won't. But Tony Restler, he has a wildly successful business. They have a smaller arena. They have a smaller seating capacity than a lot of teams in the league. Their percentage of tickets sold, last year they were third in the league in attendance based on we sold all of the tickets we could except for this little tiny amount. They were third in the league. So he's making boatloads of money, and you're right, he's also – having roster decisions made to ensure he continues to make money. Anything outside the sports industry, we're okay with someone just having a really robust bottom line. In sports, you have to win both of those ledgers. By the way, if you want to find something else to be irritated about, go back and look at what they did with pick 15 in the draft and then look at what's going on with pick 16, 18, and 19. All of those guys are major contributors this year. You got a guy good enough for the Warriors to move Clay Thompson out of the starting lineup to get him in the lineup, and you've got a dude who is a total non-factor for you. Talking about AJ Griffin, which is weird because I would have, or uh, I'm sorry, I might be a year ahead, but AJ, yeah, I, was, I was just thinking of AJ Griffin because I saw him got sent down. I saw he got sent down the other day. That's another guy that I expected after last year. Jalen's exploded. I, I thank goodness for that. But I, I thought we'd see Griffin kind of solidify himself as a nice corner three. DeAndre has him. They guy. traded up to four for him. Exactly. And look, like, one day Buffkin may be a contributor, but I mean, literally the night of the draft, it was immediately, oh yeah, this dude's going to be in College Park basically all year. And there were three guys in the next four picks that are starting, that are helping teams right now. And it feels like you could have used some immediate help. All right. Speaking of help, Braves, Jared Kellenick, a guy that they're excited about. A lot of people curious to see what they can bring out of him. And he got a chance to talk with Nick and Chris. They were, of course, down all week in Northport. And and famously last year, Jerry Kelnick kicked a cooler. He was a little frustrated, a little intense as a guy. He went Noah on the cooler. Yeah, a little intense as a guy. Uh, had had a good start to the year. Then he kicked the cooler, and things never quite got back where they needed to after that. Here he explains kind of how that affected things. When something like that happens and you do something stupid like that, you realize that not only does it affect you, but it affects the guys that you play with. It affects the city that you play for. And for me, that was the first time where a stupid decision like that affected the people that were spending money to come and watch me play. And so that was like, you know, I never felt that way. And, you know, I made a promise to myself that I was never going to let my actions you know, do that again because, you know, people spend the money to come and watch me play. I better be out there playing. And, I mean, that's what I think you would hope you take from something like that. I mean, you can't magically undo it. Got to be a horrible feeling. Horrible feeling. The only other person I can think of recently that had something like that, Shane Beamer had that same deal. He kicked a cooler over there after they blew their Florida game and was was with a broken foot oh, that's for a right. while. Didn't, and, didn't Boom punch the whiteboard at in Gainesville? Yeah, had a bloody hand and he all that. He came in all bandages. What happened to your hand? Nothing. Well, it looks like something happened. What happened? It talked back. Uh, Teased the board a thing or two. Waskar Noah, though. Yeah, Waskar Noah punched a bench, and he used his throwing hand instead of his non-throwing hand. Devin Williams, I believe, punched a yeah, wall in the dugout, broke his pitching hand. Uh, this is – look, this is – first of all, first and foremost, let's call moratorium on asking Jared Kelnick about 
kicking that anymore. I, I believe he's had about seven or eight different interviews, and that's been a question that's come across all of them, along with the how do you feel coming over to Atlanta now. Um, I would like to keep him as happy as possible because this is a young guy, what, 22, I believe he was, uh, when he kicked a cooler. Uh, dumb move, stupid move, fully acknowledges it. But I'm a much more concerned with what he does on the field for the Braves. And okay, that but, end, okay, and here's the difference, so though. For, I'm going to say, 90% of media who are at spring training, those are the two questions they know to ask. Do you think you'll have a better season without the pressure of uh, being the number three prospect in baseball? He's going to get asked that. You can ask him. You're in this little tiny. You can ask him about his hand placement, dropping his elbow, and uh, you shifted your weight. And when you were in the minors and this minor, uh, you did this in Knoxville. Um, If I'm not allowed to ask, how does it feel to not have pressure on you? You order a club sandwich from room service. That's, is that wider wheat? That's what I'm saying. I, I'm not doing this because I don't like hearing the answer. I actually like hearing the way that he answers. But I've that. heard the same two questions. No, what you're yes. doing is you're questioning Nick and Chris's confidence. <laughs> Just put I, it out there. Somebody Dylan. ask him Let's about a sandwich on a Friday. Ask but him about is, the sandwich. What? Is, okay, that's somebody, so he doesn't get mad. Somebody at Brave Spring Training in in Northport who doesn't know Kelnick or all the daily whatever from Seattle. All they have left is the club sandwich question. I, I would take that. I just don't want Jared to get fed oh, you got up big with arms, the soft. Jared, you work out. Is I that don't want him to get bench? fed up with the soft Atlanta media two months into being in Atlanta. I'm just saying, twenty three year old, ask him some fun questions. Okay, well we'll see if this was fun enough for Dylan. Got to make sure we meet the high standards across the room here. So we'll see if Nick and Chris got it right with this one about the uh, transition he's been going through in the offseason. It's just one of those phases where everything seemed to click. And then, uh, unfortunately, after that, I kind of lost my, my timing. And I was just, like, not as consistent. But I think the exciting thing for me now is this offseason, I'm really focused on trying to be as consistent as possible with my moves to allow myself to give myself the best opportunity to keep that going throughout an entire year. And it's going to be really fun to just see what he can do because, again, it's a very low-pressure thing. Let's say... This year, he doesn't immediately live up to his full potential. They've got him so cost-effectively, and this lineup is so deep, they can afford to be patient here. If he is just able to fog a mirror, like he's healthy enough to play, he can match Eddie's production. At the Correct. very bottom of his floor, okay. he's Eddie, a better defender, too. And again, Many to point are. out, I like it. Evan Gaddis was not. Many are. Eddie is a perfect example of a guy that will make crazy plays because he Eddie, made the catch against Houston. He lives by the motto of if I don't throw my glove up, there's no way I can catch he it. Can if I throw him. the glove, Eddie. maybe I get it. And I love that about Eddie. I do love the answers you hear from Kelnick. I just, I, I love the way that he comes across. Because again, it has to be super annoying to answer the same question, no matter who's talking to you all the time. I can just imagine any of us in here, if you were asked the same question by nine or 10 different people, could you give the same stock answer every single time without it showing on your face? Jared, I couldn't. You drive a Porsche, you got blob honk. <laughs> right. What, what kind of music speakers. were you listening to coming on the way in here? But I like the idea that I, I like the answers he gives. I like the maturity that he, he kind of sounds with the answer. But ultimately, it's going to come down to the same thing it always does with these guys. If he produces, he'll get a lot more fun questions to answer for sure. And I think I think he's a I think it was a great bet. This was a guy that, weirdly enough, because you can't just buy prospects in Major League Baseball, like you have to trade something for him. This was purely a case of Alex Anthopoulos just 
bought a guy that was not going to be available otherwise. And there's a reason for it. Alex is not wrong on this. So when you look at Kelnick, for me, the most important numbers to look at for this, look at how he performed they, in Seattle and away. They oh, purchased Tukey for $10 million? They did. Like they took Bronson Arroyo's yes. money? Yes, they took Bronson Arroyo back and got Tukey Toussaint as well, immediately cut Bronson Arroyo. Same thing here. Watching him perform, and this is a theme for a lot of Seattle guys, Seattle's a very, very difficult place to hit in. So when you look at his numbers from last year, they're going to be kind of dampened. They're going to be lower than what they should be coming over to this environment. Nevertheless, not even to mention that Truist is very, very nice for left-handed hitters. I I think you're going to get a big year out of Kelly. I just had the club sandwich question. I didn't have any of that. So quickly, because I do want to touch on one other thing that's going on. It's going to be interesting to see tomorrow and on into spring what he looks like. I did want to touch on some numbers here for the NFL because, as we mentioned, for those of you who are just rolling in, here in the 5 o'clock hour, the NFL today put out their new salary cap, and it came in at $255.4 million. That is about $10 million more than had been anticipated for the teams. So suddenly you got some teams with some found money that might be burning a hole in their pockets. So I just want to quickly update the folks at SpotTrack.com went through and, and broke it all down the Falcons at this point now with this new information at this moment have $41.992 million available. They are 14th in the league in available cap space. Obviously lots of teams, Falcons included, will make some moves to get more cap space. But at the moment, the Falcons have just shy of $42 million to play with. The team that's got the most now with the recalculated cap number is Washington $96.4 million available for the Commanders. And then uh, the Patriots are next at 86.8, 85 for Tennessee. And the Bears now $82.9 million and the number one pick and another top 10 pick. So if Chicago wants to swing big, they could certainly do it. A history from 94 or 95 since they had a cap, roughly every year, COVID and the year after was different. $10 million a year roughly is where they had settled into. That's what the, it goes up about $10 million, so plan on about $10 million. They said, hey, revenue looks like it's going to be up this year. Plan on this year is just a one-year bump. Plan on like a, a, an additional $10 It'll be like $20 million this year. Turns out they announced the actual cap. It's $30 million more. It's normally 10 It's three times that this year, so the owners, yeah, revenue through the roof. It's a great time to be an NFL owner. Uh, it just got more expensive to do business for some guys like Kirk Cousins because his salary isn't determined. For the Falcons, timing is going to be key because now I think you look over at Kyle Pitts, before the fourth season, you have to activate the fifth year. And so relative to what receivers are about to be paid or tight ends, Kyle Pitts actually becomes less financially burdensome for a guy who is probably your third choice on offense. Almost becomes more of a lottery ticket. And it's like, oh, all right, yeah, might as well roll the Scratch dice here. Off, yeah. and, and look, for the 25 season, like. yeah. That part I like. A couple of other things I think are worth noting here. The average number for the league now is 32.449 available. So that would put you, if you're the Falcons, basically 10 million on the right side of the line. Uh, there are currently. 18 teams that are above average for the league, which means you know some of them are way in the hole. And we mentioned earlier the Saints already restructured Derek Carr's contract earlier today to create $23 million. Then they get the news that, hey, guess what, an extra $10 million. Even with all of that, according to folks at, folks at Sportrack, they have the next-to-worst cap situation in the league. 
$38.8 million still that they, after the car redo, have to figure out how they're going to get to the cap. So the Saints, even with this unexpected bonus, still way in the hole. I still don't like that they got and, that. And have to sign draft picks. So, yeah, they got to get luck. all that money figured out. And they do. They do every year. I remember when they signed Jarris Bird. I was like, oh, my gosh, they screwed it up this time. And there was like year four or five of them kicking it down the road. That was a decade ago. Here's one Longer. other thing. Uh, $30.1 million now available for the Jaguars. And the reason that matters is, of course, they're still deciding what to do with Ridley. And maybe the thing that gets them to keep Ridley and in turn give the Falcons a second-round pick instead of a third-round pick, this extra money under the cap might be the yeah. thing that gets and a deal like that done. Keep in mind with Calvin Ridley, they're already like the third-round pick is the sunk cost. Don't if, if you're thinking, well, if they just don't sign him, then they don't have to give the Falcons a second-round pick. You're right. But they're not off scot-free. They're already into it for a pretty good pick. And you found a receiver that he and your quarterback seemed mesh. So Calvin Ridley seems like a great idea if all it costs you is a second rounder versus only a third rounder. And Calvin's a guy that it's never really been a question about talent. It's, you know, he's, I still don't know that he's a guy that you want getting hit on every play. Like remember when Marvin Jones was really, was really solidified as probably the best number two wide receiver in the NFL. Maybe not ever noticed that way nationally, but a guy that you just look up and he just play well. It's kind of how Ridley does too. Just get him in a spot where there's a big body dude, big physical guy across from on the other side. And Ridley just works well with every quarterback. Yeah, talking to some people I know in the media down there, they were they were really not sure they were going to keep Ridley. I don't know if the extra money makes the difference, but like you say, Chuck, one way it's a third-round pick's gone and you lose your receiver. Now, yeah, you probably don't want to give up the second-round pick, but you could hold on to a guy that, if you let him hit the open market, depending on Evans, might be the most desired Basically, receiver out there. would you trade down from the second round to the third if you could have a 1,000-yard receiver that your quarterback loves? It's not even a question. Hell yes, you would. So we'll see what this does for the Jaguars with that because that obviously affects the Falcons. Coming up, we just talked a little bit of Braves. We'll talk some more with Ben Ingram straight ahead. Here on 680 The Fan, 93.7 FM. It is Chuck and Chernoff hanging out with you here on a Friday afternoon. Glad you could be here with us. Don't forget, speaking of hanging out, you can hang out and check the Coach Damon Sotomayor show driven by Hyundai. It's going to be live from Hattie B's Hot Chicken in West Midtown. And, of course, before that, you got the good word going. That's hosted by Wiley Ballard and Chris Mooneyham at 6 o'clock, breaking down all things Georgia Tech. So, again, it's the good word with Wiley and Mooneyham at 6. Then the Coach Damon Stoudemire show, driven by Hyundai at 7 p.m. That's coming up Tuesday, live from Hattie B's Hot Chicken on 10th Street in West Midtown. All right, a lot of excitement about the Braves, and we're going to talk to somebody who – Talks about the Braves all through the season. Gives you all the details. It is Ben Ingram. Ben, how you doing? I'm great, fellas. Thanks for having me. How are you all? Uh, we're great, but I got to imagine for somebody like you, right now, where finally they're going to get on the field. You know, all the talk, all the speculation. No, it's not the real deal. You got to wait another month for that. But just finally seeing dudes in uniform playing the games got to feel pretty awesome. Heck yeah, man. It, this is what, it's why we do it. I mean, we love it. Um you know, it might not be opening day yet, but this is part of it. I mean, spring training is great. Uh, it's one of my favorite times of the entire year. We get to ease into this, and it's it's unique from that standpoint. And, and nothing against other sports, but I kind of like how we get to come down here and come to a completely different state for 
almost two months and ease into this thing and ramp up, and then we get ready to head north and get back going. So to think about everything that's coming, not just while we're down here, but over the course of the six-month season, it's a very long but fun and fulfilling odyssey. So excited to see it start tomorrow. All right, Matt and I aren't on the cool kids list, only Nick and Chris, I guess. Uh, They promise we get to go next year. Tell me the difference in Northport, how built up or built out, or is there anything more to do now than when y'all first started going down? I think y'all went down for a couple of weeks in 20 before they sent everybody home. Yeah, first off, I I don't know how they got on the cool kids list ahead of you guys, to be quite honest. It's Domino. It's Domino. That's all. (laughs) It is. Uh, Man, it is built up a ton. Um, I'd say more so from residential areas than anything, because when we first came down here in 2020, uh, I I really liked it from the, I mean, from day one, but I knew that it could be a challenge when it comes to places to live and things like that. Well, they've answered the bell down here, man. It's, it's exploded. Their developments all over the place. Um, There are full on new streets, new neighborhoods and places that were fields a year and a half, two years ago. And there's more construction being done, more land being cleared out. And I just think that over the next three, four, five years, this place is going to continue to absolutely explode. So I love it down here. We're close to everything that you need. Now our facility is second to none. It's a great place to be. Ben, when you're in spring training, everybody's working on something down there, obviously, getting ready for the season. But that's also true for you broadcasters. You had one of the greatest calls of all time with the That Bird is Deadline. Do you have any <laughs> plans on topping that? How do you go about topping a call like that? Well, you need a moment to top that. I don't know. I don't know how you get a moment better than that. You know, the 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 calls. That, look, when we when we call these games night in night out, you get big moments and you get homers and dramatic moments and strikeouts and all that stuff. But it's really fun when something out of the ordinary happens, like a bird being hit by a foul ball, like uh, a fan running out onto the field or some kind of a streaker. When you get something that's out of the norm. Uh, there's a gear that I think for me and lots of other play-by-play broadcasters, uh, a gear kicks in where it's like, okay, we get something very different, completely out of the ordinary. It might last five seconds. It might last a split second. But this is your opportunity to call something completely different and be as creative as you want to with it. And I, I love moments like that. Hated for the bird so many years ago. That's coming up on, gosh, eight, nine years ago where that bird was hit by the foul ball. But every now and then you get a curveball like that, and it's fun to do something completely different. Man, we had a blast on that one that day. Talk Strider and the blue sky and what's really possible. Last year, one time we were having Glavin on, and I said, look, I don't mean to overspeak, but like Dwight Gooden and Glavin was like, yeah, that's who I think too. I was like, holy hell. Um, what do you think? Like, this is real, man. This is, to me, it's injury. If he's healthy, he's dominant as a major league pitcher for however many years going forward. Tell me what you see. Uh, here's, here's the thing that jumps out to me with Strider. It's not just what he's accomplished, Chuck. It's how quickly he's done it. This guy's had 52 starts total in the big leagues. He's already led the league in wins. He's already led the league in strikeouts, strikeouts per nine. So if he's done all of that in this short of amount of time, and he's 25 years old, what else can he accomplish uh, in two years, four years, six years of his career? That, to me, is the scary part. I mean, there's talk down here about him mixing in a curveball a little bit to go along with what's already a dynamic fastball and a wipeout slider as if he needs a, a, a third or fourth pitch. I know he's got a change if he'll mix in. But the, the thought of that guy evolving, the thought of that guy being nastier, the thought of that guy gaining wisdom would frighten me if I'm a National League hitter. Uh, so I can't wait to see what else he can accomplish. He was fourth in the Cy Young last year in his first full season as a starter. Think about that. This guy went into 2022 as part of the bullpen and went into last season or went into the postseason last year, arguably your best pitcher. 
that's a lot of, of jumping up the ladder in a very short amount of time. So that's the impressive thing to, for me is his meteoric rise, how quickly he has gone up the ladder and become one of the best pitchers in baseball. So it, it won't shock me if he goes out there and gets to 300 strikeouts this year or throws a no-hitter or a perfect game or something like that. This guy is, is destined for great historic moments because of the stuff that he has and furthermore because of his physical and mental makeup. It's all there in spades. So I'm excited to see that across the board and what he'll continue to develop into. Ben Ingram with us here on 680 The Fan, 93.7 FM. Again, the Braves about to get on the field and, and start going through some games. Ben, I'm just curious. I look at what's going on with some of the other teams. For example, I saw a report today with Boston that, well, they'd, they'd like to sign Jordan Montgomery, but they're hoping the price is going to drop a little more, and they don't know if they can go ahead and get off that wallet just yet. You've already got the Mets with a key injury. you got people in New York saying, eh, the Yankees going to do anything. This organization, it's just so buttoned down. The tone is just so professional and organized and no drama. Am I imagining it? Like, is there anything down there? Does somebody, like, park in somebody else's space one day or something? Because it just seems like they've got their act so together compared to even some other teams with, with big wallets, big reputations, but they just don't do it like the Braves do. Sure, and, and it does seem pretty harmonious. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And that, that, that all starts with winning. I mean, if, if you're experiencing success with a group of guys, then that is going to cure just about anything that could come up and challenge a team. And this team has done a ton of it. They've won, what, 205 games combined between the last two regular seasons. So they know what they're capable of. They know that they're good, and they know that so long as they're healthy, they should be one of the best teams, if not the best team in baseball over the course of the regular season. And then we see what happens in, in, the, uh, in the postseason. But health is it. I mean, you nailed it. That is why it's so hard to make preseason predictions in baseball compared to football, pro or college, basketball. You just can't predict these injuries. And while injuries can run any team off the road, no matter the sport, I think it can particularly do that in baseball because we play every single day. You lose a guy for two weeks in baseball compared to football, you're losing 14 days worth of games versus you know two or three games. So it can really hurt you if you're without a big player or two for long periods of time. We've seen that with plenty of teams who have high expectations going into the regular season. They lost two or three guys. Next thing you know, they're a third or fourth place team at the end of the thing, and it's too hard to come back. But uh, I think that's the biggest thing for this team. You stay healthy, and you feel like those uh, the, the harmony that is that already is built up will continue, and they'll win baseball games. So when you've done that for a long period of time together, it's hard to expect anything other than that. We were just talking about Strider and what you expect to see from him, how the sky's the limit. For you, you you get spoiled a little bit. You get to talk, you get to watch every night the Braves, who have conservatively about four or five different guys. You could probably say that same thing about one of the guys that I'm the most tuned in for this year is Michael Harris. What do you think you can see from Michael this year? And when do we get that, not just breakout, but when do we get that ascension from really, really great player to one of the best center fielders in the game period? Yeah, I think defensively he's there. I think anybody who watches him defensively would say he's one of the more elite defenders uh, in Major League Baseball. Not just this division or not just this league, but across Major League Baseball. But he, again, he's another guy who's extremely young. He's only 22. He'll be 23, I think, first week of March, Uh, extremely young. And another guy who's done lots of great things in a very short amount of time. He's only played two seasons. The hard part about jumping up and and reaching those levels that you're talking about, you've got to have it offensively. And I'm not saying that he doesn't, he does, but it's going to be really hard to go out there and outshine the guys who are in your own lineup. 
I mean, you can go out there and hit 300 and hit 30 bombs and not even have the spotlight on you or, or the, the, the second or third biggest spotlight on you with the names that you have in this lineup. So you're just looking for him to contribute, get out there and be consistent, be healthy. So long as he's doing that, I think uh, just being out there every single day, I think the accumulation of that, people will recognize, look, this guy is elite. There's no doubt about it. A rookie of the year. I think a gold glove is certainly in his future. Kind of surprised he didn't get more consideration for that a year ago. But I think he's going to have a mantle full of those uh, by the time it's all said and done. So for a guy who's knocking on the door at 23, really impressive stuff out of him in his young career. Yeah, you know what, Ben? I, I'm, I'm interested in seeing with Harris because last year he did get off to the slow start. And it wasn't a total shock that that could happen because you have the big year. The league has got a chance to see you and try and adjust to you. Now that he's been through even that and come through positive on the other side, I'm really interested to see what he looks like in April and May this year. Yeah, and, and that, like you mentioned, the injury had him off to a slow start. I, I think the place where you can really see him advance forward, I mean, think about walks and stolen bases for him. I mean, he's a guy who's gone out there and stolen 20 bags each of the last two seasons. We know that he's going to hover around 300. He hasn't hit 300 yet, but he's been a 290-plus hitter for his first two years in the big leagues. I think if we see a few more walks, see him on base a little bit more he could easily be a 30 to 40 stolen base guy the hard part about that is where he hits in the lineup if you were batting second uh, if you're hitting higher in the order you'd probably get to see him run a little bit more maybe you don't see him run quite as much he's batting eighth and ninth uh, but that potential is there uh, you're going to see tons of extra base hits we've seen the power he's been around a 20 home run guy uh, each of his first two seasons. So you put together 162 games or close to that. I don't think he's, I think he played 130 some odd games last year. Add another 20 games of that with a season of full health. And so long as he's out there, those numbers will follow through and that'll accumulate and be where you want it to be at the end of the year. Ben, I got one more for you. Uh, last year was such a huge year for Ozzy Albies, particularly from the left side. You got to watch him every single night. Did you notice anything different? Have you gotten to speak to Ozzy about maybe what happened? But talking about taking walks a little bit from Michael Harris, a guy like Ozzy had the exact same problem heading into last season where the hit tool was almost a little too good. He was too good mm-hmm. at hitting balls that he probably should just lay off. Seeing what Ozzy did last year, is that something you think from the left side you think he's going to do this year too? Yeah, that'd be interesting. I, I think that, look, any of these, all these guys are looking to advance and, and get better than they were the year before. I, you look at the last two full seasons of health, for Ozzy, that'd be last year and then 2021, because they only played in 60 some odd games in 2022. And when it comes to walks and strikeouts, and it, it's it's almost the same. Um, and, and he's going to be very aggressive. And there's a steady balance there, you know. I mean, think about it like this: you might say, okay, maybe you'd like a guy to be a little bit more patient, see a few more pitches, see what that does. But at the same time, you want a guy to be him. You don't want him to be something that he's not. And if you take away a certain amount, a certain degree of, of aggressiveness, does that change him as a hitter? I don't know the answer to that. Um, I know batting second in the lineup, you think about coming up to the plate, you want to get Ronald over. If he isn't over already. Um, and I think that's going to be interesting to see if patience becomes a little bit more of Ozzy's game from either side of the plate and how that affects his overall numbers with walks, with on-base percentage, limiting strikeouts and things like that. There's so many times where I watch him play, and maybe he does something that's not going to end up in a statistical category, but just something that helps you win a game. And he, as much as anybody on the team, I watch him, and I think, thank God he's on our team. That's that's what I think of when I think of Ozzy because he does so many things like that. So he, he's a talented ball player. He's a guy who's been against the odds his whole life, and it wouldn't shock me if he found a way to excel in ways that he hasn't in the past. Ben Ingram, I appreciate you making some time for us today here on Chuck and Chernoff.
Absolutely. Thanks, fellas. Appreciate it. There you go. Ben Ingram checking in on the Hobson and Hobson Newsmaker line. And again, uh, just over a month before things get going for real for the Braves. He's going to have a whole lot of fun calling that this year. Coming up, we found out who tops and who flops on this list for the Falcons from earlier in the show. Here on 6A The Fan, 937FM. The fan continues on as the proud flagship station of the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. And we promise you're not going to want to miss a huge year on the flats, including the Coach Brett Key Show, the Damon Stoudemire Show, the Good Word, every play of the Jackets, and the best sports radio lineup in the South featuring Tech legend and college football Hall of Famer Joe Hamilton. Morning 6 to 10. Catch it at the 5, into the end zone, touchdown Jackets! We are Atlanta Sports. The Fan, 680 and 93.7 FM. We all know Chuck has a lot of random thoughts throughout the show. Why don't you have him cutting his penis off then, huh? And Matt likes to tell crappy jokes no one understands. Chuck, all due respect, what the f*** are you doing? So now, it's time to circle back on some stuff we didn't get to the bottom of. Why, 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 why? We now present to you Unfinished Business on Chuck and Chernoff. All right, welcome back. 6A The Fan, 93.7 FM. Uh, earlier in the show, Chuck, you were talking about the Falcons needing to do more promotions, and you had thrown out the idea of using the tallest Falcon out there possible for Pro one chart. of them. So the the uh, offensive tackle that is the tallest on the on the team, anybody have any guesses? It's not Calais Campbell. He's 6'8", so he was second on the roster. Any any thoughts on who Said it could be? Offensive tackle? So offensive tackle, he's 6'9". 6'9". It's not Matthew Bergeron who's a guard, right? No. 6'9"? Did, did he play? Who? I don't, think he, I don't think he played much. Ryan Swoboda? Okay. Yeah. I mean, like 6'8". Yeah. Calais Campbell? <laughs> Great choice. If you were giving kids a Calais Campbell growth chart... Mm-hmm. I could do that one. Yeah, you put that... It's not um, a kid anymore. I'd like that one. Calais Campbell good enough to where I want any Calais Yes, there you go. There are three guys on the roster that are the shortest at 5'9". Any guesses there? Running oh. back Avery is it Avery Smith the running Avery back Williams. Avery Williams no, Avery Williams hurt. though yeah him uh, Demir Bird was but he's gone now Clark Phillips yeah. we got a wide receiver and a special teamer oh, uh, no, Scotty Miller there? Clark Phillips yeah Clark Phillips I think he was at five ten is what uh, they, they were listening somebody lied okay yeah. Yeah, I say we were making stuff up then I <laughs> didn't know that's what we were doing around here that's according uh, to Clark Scotty yeah. Miller that's according yeah. to Clark's like uh, e harmony they profile. measured him in his cleats with his <laughs> helmet on exactly wearing the Ron DeSantis boots for his. Well, Dr. Scholl's in there as well. Uh, yeah, so Scotty Miller, Youngway Koo, and Avery Williams. Kickers don't guys. count. Oh, Youngway Koo counts, though. Yeah, Most Koo kickers counts. don't, but Koo counts. Come on. Um, all right, the other thing, one of the other things you guys were talking about earlier was was people punching the wall or punching something to get in trouble. We got on a Waskar or Noah conversation. Here's just a list, non-exhaustive list of some different injuries related to punches in sports. So Randy Johnson, I actually didn't know about this one. Punched a bat rack back in 1988 with his non-pitching hand. He missed six weeks. So I guess he kind of got over that a little bit, being a, a young hothead. Carlos Boozer accidentally punched a wall with a yep. fist pump. <laughs> yeah. And that was after hearing the NBA lockout was coming to an end. So this was a celebration type of a thing. He wound up being out for eight weeks. So I'm, you have to... That ceiling has to be Just pretty don't low. Punch stuff. Ready I would have guessed up. it was after the spray on hair debacle for him. <laughs> Ooh, I would not yeah, have guessed that call. was when that happened. Yeah, I don't think Boozer has like that explosive of an athlete in terms of being able to jump up and punch a wall from a seated spot. But he's a he's a big no, guy. His his most memorable moment to me, and I'm like, 
He made it like a promise somehow. Like he either told Cleveland or Utah or somebody, I swear, just pick up the option. I'll be like somehow he basically lied his way into $45 million. (laughs) Do you remember what Strowman did with the Mets? Like he did something where he activated the final few months. Where Strowman was just like, that's cute. I'm not going to play, but I'm going to have you guys pay me to not play for you. That's exactly. And Boozer basically. Boozer did a pinky pledge that he would sign when they let him out of his deal. That was it. He he went somewhere else. If you let me out of the the remaining contract, I swear I'll sign with you. Mm. I wonder if that was the end of the Jazz tenure because that ended sort of poorly. Did you just recall that, Heath? Or did you? No, no. I remember when he did that. I think that's why he wound up with the Bulls. That's exactly what it was. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, just after returning from a thigh injury in 2007, Troy Tolowitzki, he cut his hand by slamming oh, his bat onto low. the ground, and uh, he was right back on the DL then. Um, in 2012, Bryce Harper slammed his bat around the dugout, and pieces of wood wound up hitting him in the face. He wound up getting 10 stitches there, so you had that situation. Very mean mugged the bat the next time around. <laughs> exactly. Um, this one I remember distinctly. While, the Yankee, uh, w- while with the Yankees in 2004, Kevin Brown, he punched a wall. During the sixth inning, breaking two bones in his non-pitching hand, he was out for pretty much the rest of the season. He only pitched two more at the end of the regular season and then didn't pitch in that postseason. Um, that was a rough contract there for the Yankees, too. Serves them right. Yeah. And then a uh, final one I got for you on this front was during the 2012 playoffs, Amari Stoudemire, who was playing for the Knicks at the time, punched a glass I outside of the that. fire extinguisher. I and this was after that. game two against the Heat. He did wind up playing with stitches. They got smoked anyways and got swept. Uh, by the heat that year so it's your money maker folks your body don't screw around with it don't punch things at least do the right thing and punch with the non-pitching hand you or know, just you know keep that. a keep a pair of boxing gloves in the dugout <laughs> when you need to wail on something throw on the gloves exactly uh chuck you were right about something i want to circle back around to Why? from from earlier so uh, a name that you dropped in the talk back was matthew thomas and that was the five-star linebacker uh for that wound up going to fsu because of his mom now, the one piece that you got wrong, Chuck, though, is that you said it was Miami was the other school. It was actually USC that he was committed to. But Matthew Thomas, you, you nailed that one. Um, Good pull. And it was, you know, he wound up having an up-and-down college career after that. Actually, I didn't nail it on purpose. Yeah. But it's okay. Well, <laughs> the statute of limitations has passed, and now all yeah, crime is legal anymore. according to the uh, – the court system. Give Reggie Bush's Heisman back, okay? When's the purge? I gotta get just. I gotta get to dark. What is- <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, Matthew went. Uh, wound up having it up and down college career injuries. Oh no, he had buzzards luck. He yeah. failed a weed test like several at Florida State, but yep. since it was a Florida State weed <laughs> test, they could do whatever they wanted. He failed a weed test before the bowl game. Since it was an NCAA test, it was like six games. But I see where this segment is going now. So, like, if, if one of you reports something, if you've got, like, a secret scoop, like there's a time uh, I remember. Blind where item. King, <laughs> where, where, well, Kincaid had that guy who was calling the Balkan back on the yes. station back in the day. And now Brian is going to be like, I have run a list through, and, and the secret source is this guy. And Deep Throat was. And it's like, thanks for helping. <laughs> That's okay. I find it to be funny. I mean, as it is now, statue them. You're fine. Everybody's getting paid now. No worries. I said allegations. I said just I heard. I said I was told. Actually, no, That's I was told that. So it is, yes. Everything you said My was true. My statement was true. I was told that. All right. <laughs> Chuck, this is one thing you actually did get right, 100%. No, no limitations on it or anything. Uh, the Browns did win four titles in the America Football Conference Championship. And it looks like it was four straight, too, from 46 to 49. Yeah, it was like the A- 
FCC or it was yeah. some four letters, whatever, and they were big time champions. And they're like, all right, now we'll go over to this other league, the NFL. Do those count for the Browns or do they go to the Ravens? Or no, or that's whoever? that's <laughs> they left the history in uh, Cleveland. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. They went on to win four NFL championships over the next 15 years. And then you guys know what's happened. But then the Super Bowl happened and, and championships stopped. Yeah. Um, so yesterday during Unfinished Business, we got to the topic of uh, commercials and the classic commercial Little Penny came up. And Colin has never heard this commercial. He ah! still he still hasn't heard it. I just put it in there. He's going to play it right now, and he's going to react to it organically. Autumn resident. Little Penny? Hey, what's going on? How's the road trip? It's all right. What's all that? Are you having a party in my house? A party? I'm just sitting there reading the book. Let me, hey, caught the game last night. Let me just put it this way. You're the best player in the NBA. I mean, those spin moves and the dunks. Oh, two that was just comedy genius right there. Chris Rock was the voice of Lil Penny to actual Big Penny. Uh, and they sold dolls. They had I had a Lil Penny doll. You pulled the string out of the back. There were like 10 things Lil Penny would say. Tara! Tara! That was great. That was one of them. All right. It's 555. That means it's time for us to get out of here. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. Big thanks to Colin, to Brian, to DT, and, of course, for Dylan and Chuck. Come Heath. Match back next week. We'll see you down the line. Okay. Bye. This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Mac. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season. This is a 680 The Fan podcast. To hear more live and local sports content like this, tune into 680 AM or 93.7 FM or download the Fan app. A lifetime of hard work, children laughing in the kitchen, family photos on a restaurant wall, a legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation, like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.